0: Welcome to the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. I'm your host, Gary Durbin. I've been a worship leader for over 20 years, and I've learned a lot from so many on this journey. On this podcast, we'll have conversations and explore the dynamics of leading worship in the local church. Recently, I was interviewed by my good friend Matt Canaby on the XM podcast, which is put out by Emerge Counseling Ministries. Emerge played a vital role in my healing as I had to journey through divorce. Yeah, that's right. I'm a church leader who's been divorced. It's not something that's talked about a lot out there, so I plan on doing some more episodes about the topic of divorce and ministry. For now, I thought it would be cool to share this conversation I had with Matt, and I'm grateful that he's allowed me to repost it here. So here's the interview about how I lived and led through the worst days of my life.
1: So today I've asked one of my dear friends to come and share his story. Our guest and I have been friends for many years, and I have to say that he has certainly ministered to me with how he has navigated adversity in his life. Well, without giving too much away, please welcome my dear friend to the podcast, Gary Durbin. Thanks, Matt. It is great to
0: be on your podcast. I actually listen to your podcasts, so I'm a fan. So I'm honored to be on it, not just because you're my friend. I actually <laughs> like the podcast.
1: Dude. I I feel like um, this has been a long time coming. I've looked for uh, all different kinds of angles about how how Gary and I are going to get on the podcast together and um, just really excited for you to share your story today. And I I think it's going to be a great uh, testimony for our listeners to hear. Before we get into that, um, can you just share a little bit about who Gary Dermott is and and give us an idea of, of, of who you are? Well, who I am is a follower of Jesus.
0: That is a super spiritual answer, but that is the absolute truth. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a husband to Jenny mm-hmm. and a dad to Josh and Jade. And I've been a worship leader full time in the local church for the last 20 years. I uh, grew up in ministry. My dad was a music minister my whole life, which is the old term for worship leader. Mm-hmm. And we were all over the country, I spent a lot of time in the Midwest, in Florida. We were at a church in Kansas for several years. And then God led me into full-time ministry. Um, after I, we were in Florida, when I was in high school, graduated, I got married at a young, young age. I was like 21. And it was a few years after that that God really called me into the ministry and a door opened. I went through
1: it and I've been leading worship ever since. And so um, being a worship leader has taking you to a lot of different churches. Talk to uh, our audience a little bit about the journey um, that you went through in in going to some different places, but then really how you got to Ohio. Yeah. So I did not go to college. I mean, I did, but I dropped out.
0: And I I did that too. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, as a a young guy was had as a musician. I had dreams mm-hmm. of music stuff. Yeah, and then God introduced me to Himself through worship in a fresh way, and that became a natural shift for me as a young guy, as a young musician that loved the Lord, that loved to minister to people. It was just a natural fit to go, yeah. Let me lead them in worship. So as a young guy, I was. Uh, Leading worship. And then, yeah, there was a guy, a pastor in Illinois after I had surrendered to that call that heard about me and took a chance on me. Mm -hmm. And he hired me. I was with him for almost a decade in Illinois and at a church in Florida. And then um, I accepted a position in Denver, Colorado when I was like in my early 30s. I was there for about four and a half years. That season was coming to a close. I knew there was... I knew that, and I was really open to something else. And this church in Ohio popped on the radar. I talked to the pastor and realized, man, we got this would be a great fit, and felt like God was opening the door. I walked through it, and I've been here
1: for six and a half years. And so, you have been in the ministry of worship for how long? a little over 20 years. So 20 years is is a long time to be doing that. And so in that 20 years, talk to me a little bit about your life and life with the kids and you know mm. what that looked like, marriage, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so like I said I w- we were married early and
0: about a couple of years into ministry, we got pregnant and with my son Josh and he was born in 2004. Then we had Jade, my daughter, in 2008. And like I said, I was in full time ministry, leading worship, doing all kinds of things in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And in conjunction with ministry, I also was, it was kind of my marriage as well. You know, it's like 20 something years. And unfortunately, in 2019, a red flag popped up in our marriage. Um, that I believed was a false alarm. And then 2020 hit with COVID. And a couple weeks after COVID hit, uh, the false alarm became a reality. And that led to us getting a divorce in 2020. So, yeah, that that was tough, uh, traumatizing for me and for for the kids. I, I know because I walked through this with you. Mm-hmm. This was not on your radar. Well, there's that term "beauty from ashes." So, divorce is like a death in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, one one song that I heard from an artist named Jason Gray. He has a song called "Death Without a Funeral." Mm -hmm. And it's about divorce. And that's the way what divorce is. You know, there's no ceremony. There's no celebration of life or anything like that. It's just this is ending and it's awful and it's horrible. And there's no there's no silver lining, especially at the beginning. So for me personally, um, when I realized that we were heading towards divorce, I certainly wanted to save it. Um, And so. The morning after, I will call it, I was in my pastor's office, just absolutely destroyed. And he was so kind because here I am, a full-time worship leader at a local church. And it looks like that I may be getting a divorce, possibly, maybe. So I was sitting in his office like six in the morning, telling him what I had discovered and what's going on. And he, he was so kind in one, in many ways, but I think one of his first acts of kindness to me was that he looked at me and said, "Well, from what you're telling me, and if what you're telling me is the truth, then I see no reason why your employment has to end here at the church." Mm-hmm. So that was an act of kindness of on his part to say, "Hey, listen, there's a there's a lot of crap going on in your in your head right now. Mm-hmm. Let me just remove that worry for a second. If this is what's going on, then." we intend on keeping you here. Mm-hmm. So that was super, uh, amazing. Didn't exactly, um, make me feel a whole lot better or anything. I mean, my sure. world was falling apart. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I experienced anxiety for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. I would get up in the morning during that time and it was COVID. So we were all at home, mm-hmm. couldn't go anywhere. So I'd get up in the morning and I started experiencing it, this anxiety that everybody talks about. I've never had it before and I couldn't breathe and I would have to get up in the morning and I would have to tell myself before, you know, 530 in the morning, I'd get up to, to just be with the Lord and get in. The, I was in the Psalms at the time and, and I would, the first thing I'd have to do is just tell myself to breathe. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was heavy anxiety, heavy, uh, depression, all those things, just worry the natural things that come with it. I was, um, I learned very quickly. I was very, very concerned about my kids and what this was going to do to my kids. Mm -hmm. And I just, I had a feeling early on that this was going to head towards divorce. I was going to do everything I could to save it, but I learned quickly that it it takes two. And, uh, What I learned was that my anxiety was a lot of it was rooted in my worry for my kids. I was afraid they were going to get destroyed. I was afraid they were going to walk away from their faith. All those things that you worry about. And when um, my kids were babies, we dedicated them. But in that moment in 2020, that's what I tell people is that's when I surrendered my kids Mm -hmm. to the Lord. And that really was a big help to me in my anxiety. I noticed the difference in that. Um, but unfortunately, we were not able to save the marriage. It does take two, and we attempted some counseling, but it, it was obvious that, that it was coming to an end. And we had to mutually make a decision. Hey, this is over,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we did. And that was summer of 2020. And um, yeah, and it was it was a, it was a rough time.
1: Share, um, a little bit about what it's like, not, not that it's different for somebody in ministry or a worship leader, but I think there's a different pressure, um, than maybe somebody else going through a divorce. I don't think any divorce on this planet is easy, Mm -hmm. but there's a different thing when every Sunday you're up front in front of the congregation. Um, what was that experience like for you with our church? in general, and then specifically to our congregation and our our pastoral team? And and what did you experience through that? COVID was a horrible thing for everyone. The silver
0: lining for COVID for me was during the worst days of that, we were not gathering as a church. Mm -hmm. So I was coming in once a week recording the worship set, which I think you were a part of Mm -hmm. some of that. And so it was good because I was just coming and recording and going home. So there was no like meeting people in the lobby and having the ministry um, front where I have, you know, want to love people and talk to people and all that stuff. I didn't have to do that. So I think during the worst times of that, um, yeah, I didn't have to do that. And I think that was a good thing for me. But then we started gathering again, and so yeah, I had to get in front of people. And for me, um, it was really it was really hard at times to lead worship, yeah. knowing that I was going through a divorce. Um, it was it brought a whole new depth, though, as a worship leader, because all of a sudden these songs are just destroying me. Yeah, which in a kind of a good way. Yeah, when everything went down, and I knew things were my world was blown up. Before that, I was definitely leaning on Jesus in my life. But what I tell people is when everything went down, I fell on Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that because I think divorce is a source for a lot of people walking away from the faith. And so I'm grateful that I didn't walk away from the faith. Mm -hmm. Praise to the Lord for that um so the the silver lining and the beauty from ashes from my story is that I f- fell in love with Jesus in a whole another way in a whole I don't know another depth mm-hmm. um he's all that I had like literally yeah of course my kids are there but they can't come alongside of me in this you know yeah. I was very alone but it was like alone in the point of I either turned to Jesus or not mm-hmm. and when I did, he w- was absolutely there for me, and I felt his loving arms in so many different ways, including my church. you know, I felt his arms from friends like you and from my church family and from my and my parents and you know just wrapping he was wrapping his arms around me, yeah, with all those things.
1: I think a lot of times in these situations what what i I would love for this story to help people is um Obviously, divorce happens, and there's probably not a church in in the country that doesn't uh, get affected by this. What are some things that that maybe our church did well with you? And maybe some things that we should be mindful as congregants, if somebody, a pastor or somebody in the congregation is going through a divorce, like what would be some things that you would share? Go, hey, these are things to be thinking about when somebody's going through this, because it's really easy for us to ostracize people who are going through stuff like this. That's a great question. I think it's hard for
0: people to be single in the church. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really hard to be a single and divorced in the church, because a lot of ministry is based around the family when yep. it comes to most local churches. So that's just that. That's just a natural thing uh, that makes it tough. What What our church family did really well is we put a heightened sense on not gossiping about it because here it is, Gary, the worship leader. We're we're a fairly large church. Sure. Everybody knows who I am. A lot of most people know who I am. If they don't know my name, they know my face. Mm-hmm. And so as word got around, people started finding out. Um, nobody was approaching me. Nobody was asking me details. That was good. Mm-hmm. I think what the church can do better, and, and it's not anything that, is a conscious thing that I think people do, but I don't, I I think you, when you know someone's going through a divorce, just reach out to them, Mm -hmm. just check in on them regularly because it's a very lonely time. You know, even like you guys and my friends, I mean, you guys are married and you have kids and all this stuff. So you feel like the third will uh, a lot. Um, But yeah, I think that's one thing I would, would share with people is, yeah, if you see someone just reach out to them and, invite them to stuff because i found myself in a time where i was co-parenting and every other week i was by myself twiddling my thumbs and yeah and that was the other good thing is i fell in love with music again so every other week music became my girlfriend and and i just wrote a ton of songs and recorded a lot and um
1: you you did right a a lot a lot (laughs) You, you were on a war path with writing. I mean, uh, you and I do a lot of writing together, yeah. and we've written a lot of songs together. And uh, during that time, it was—I uh, uh, felt like my email was—it was an onslaught of, "Hey, here's a new song. Here's a new song." I was like, "Dude, I can I, I couldn't. For, if I do this for the next five years, I couldn't keep up with what you're writing right now." Talk about that, though. Talk about your writing yeah. during that time.
0: One of the, the other thing my pastor pushed me on was when I was going through it pretty hard. He looked at me and said, hey, are you writing? And I, at the time I was writing a um, worship devotional book for teams that we're actually using now. I said, yeah, I'm writing this book. And he's like, no, 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 no. Are you writing about what you're going through? And I was like, no. He goes, you should. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided to do that. And I went home, I remember that week and... um I mean, I, I was the lowest of lows, and I sat down and wrote probably one of the most pure songs I've ever written in my life, and it was just a love song to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I honestly didn't even intend on sharing it with anyone. I was like, this is just for Jesus. Now I'm sharing it with people, and I'm hoping it helps people. But that kind of started a whole thing of, I, I'm like, yeah, I want to keep doing this. I'm going to keep writing. And I wrote probably 50 to 60 songs in a, in a course of a year because mm-hmm. it was just kind of m- my thing I did mm-hmm. when I was by myself. Um, it was therapeutic. It was helpful for me. I was going through a lot of counseling at the time too, and um, but it was very therapeutic for me to to sit down and that's just what I do. I'm a songwriter. We all have our things that we do, you know, and we kind of figure out what's therapeutic for, for me. And that was definitely one of those things.
1: Since, since we're talking about it, can, can you share about the worst days and yeah. the project? Yeah. So the first song I wrote was called worst days.
0: And then, uh, over the course of, uh, over a year, I just kept writing and there were, there were some songs that were just like, to this day I would never let anyone hear them. Mm-hmm. They're just really dark <laughs> they were and depressing and um, sometimes I was mad at God and I'd write a song about it. Mm-hmm. but uh, out of all those 50 or 60 songs, this last summer I was... L- looking back at them and I've realized that I had like seven of these songs that I can make a project out of that were worship songs to Jesus. But, but I realized these were songs that were kind of, were their little laments. Mm-hmm. They were sad. They're not happy, joy, joy songs. Um, but those were the, that was the kind of music I was look, looking for when I was really sad and down. I was, I was looking for sad music, mm-hmm. uh, at the time just to, be sad and had a hard time finding it sometimes so i realized man i think i have something to offer here i don't really um think it'll ever get out in a major way and the beauty of it is that i I could care less i i just came to the point where like i'm gonna take these demos i'm gonna have my tech director he did it on the side for me and he remixed them And they're basically glorified demos. And I just put out a project uh, actually last week called Worst Days, and it's called Worshiping Through Grief. And it's seven songs that hopefully will lead people to worship Jesus in their grief and their sadness, no matter what they're going through. And it's really more of a personal worship time.
1: I I love it because I I don't know um, being in the Christian music industry as long as I was, listening to Christian music as long as I have, of anybody really tapping into that niche. Of most of the time, we think of worship music, and it's tapping into the joy, uh, which is great, and it's tapping into. But really going into the dark spot is almost counterintuitive to the Christian industry as we know it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a true emotion. Yeah, it's a true place. I mean, I I wouldn't have a job as a mental health therapist if that didn't right. exist. And I I think sometimes being able to um, sit in the stuff and be okay with not being okay. Yeah, is so important, and I, I, I love the fact. I mean, it's um, I'm sure <laughs> as you were doing it, like who's going to listen to this? This is not feel good no. music, but I think so many more people can connect and relate to it, and where mm-hmm. it came out of is such a pure place. It's uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a great resource. I know it was therapeutic for you, but I think it could be therapeutic for others too.
0: That's my. That's what I'm. I'm hoping for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's my only hope for it. Honestly, yeah. I, I've recorded a lot in my life and written a lot, and when I've put out, you know, albums and EPs, and I've done a couple books, and when you when I've every one of those projects I've put out, there's a portion of my motivation that is a little prideful. It's like, I really do hope, man, maybe somebody will pick this up or. Mm-hmm. I can tell you Matt this is the first project I think I've ever done where I I don't I could care less. It's mm-hmm. like I just want to get it out there and I I'm just picturing that person that's sitting alone mm-hmm. in their room listening to it and getting a connection with Jesus. That's it's almost that's I guess that's my way of leading worship to that person because yeah. I I've been that person.
1: Yeah. Um, Would you be okay sharing a little bit about your therapeutic journey and um, kind of the intersect of where Emerge kind of came alongside you during that time?
0: Yeah. Well, as a close friend, I came to you um, because I was looking—I knew I needed to get into counseling. Mm -hmm. And you immediately connected me with my counselor. They quickly— Diagnosed me with PTSD and recommended that I go through EMDR therapy. Mm-hmm. I did that. It was very intense, uh, very painful, but incredibly healing and brought me to the light, mm-hmm. the light of truth. And, you know, I quickly realized that there was a lie that I was believing, That which that's the first step in it. You know, like okay. there's a there's a lie that you're believing behind all this and it was easy to figure out mine mine was inadequacy it was Mm -hmm. like i'm inadequate
1: yeah
0: and uh so we attacked that and he he helped me get to that truth of that i'm fearfully and wonderfully made Mm -hmm. and so emdr therapy really helped me get there i think it took us like i don't know seven or eight sessions uh, months of doing it and it was hard and painful and tiring, but it's, but it ended with me and one of my last sessions, I started laughing and yeah. he was like, What's going on? What's going? I'm like, and I just realized that I' like, I'm believing this lie mm-hmm. from and I was thinking of someone that I shouldn't trust at all. yeah and I was believing that person over everybody else in my life that was saying I was adequate. so anyway, it was <clears throat> yeah, it was very helpful.
1: I think um, I was super proud of walking alongside you through that and seeing how you navigated all of that, because uh, you're absolutely right. That process is super hard and a lot of people just want to avoid it. They just want to turn. They want to run from it. They want to dive into addiction. They want to dive into unhealthy relationships. You name it. But following through with the process and, and diving in. I love, you know, I love EMDR. It's like, um, there's probably 10 million things in the world you'd rather do in that moment than what you're actually doing. But that's the only thing is addressing the issues is what's going to allow you to heal. And the, the more you avoid and ignore it, so many, we live in a culture where it's, we just want to avoid and ignore And it just causes more and more pain to build and build, build. Um, I was just super proud of you, man, the the way you walked through all of that. It it was tremendous. And, you know, uh, myself and a couple other guys, you know, we're we're praying for you all the time. Mm. We're getting together and and texting a lot. and, and, And I don't think any one of us would have blamed you for, you know, not keeping your head up and, and not taking the high road. and, But mm. you did. You did. You took the high road and, and you kept focused on Jesus the entire time. And I think that mentored to all of us, too. And mm. so I just I want to tell you that because I think it's um, it was a ministry in, in itself, the way you handled all of that, um, that difficult time that you went through. Thanks, man. I mean,
0: it, that, I appreciate that. that means a lot. I uh, I did get through it. I got on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not Jesus, so I wasn't perfect through it. Mm-hmm. Um, had some speed bumps that I had to get through, uh, which you, you're aware we, uh, aware of. I remember calling you at night <laughs> and just freaking out. I remember, but I also experienced the grace of Jesus so hard, too, in that time, too. I, I, one of the, my favorite stories I love to tell people is when I was in the, just in the lowest of lows during that year, I always got so mad at God. I had never been mad at God, but I realized I'm mad at God. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being by myself and I legit cussed out God. Mm -hmm. Legit. And um, I just remember later that night, it's almost like I was giving God the silent treatment after that. You know, like you go off on somebody and you walk away, you don't talk for the rest of the day. Yeah. I remember laying in my bed that that night just by myself and coming down and going, I'm sorry. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, I just felt him go, it's okay. (laughs) And so it, it was, it was one of those, it was a hard, hard year, but man,
1: Jesus is so good. You know, that's like the beauty from ashes from all of it. So let's talk a little bit about then, um, after you get through that year, um, you did a lot of therapy You um, leaned into a lot of really great relationships, friendships. Uh, I think our our leadership and pastoral team at the church was awesome Mm -hmm. through that. Um, But then talk to me about what then transpired in the next, I don't know, phase of life. The next, you know, I think you know where I'm headed with that. Um, Talk to me about what God Opened up as far as what was next.
0: Yeah, so when you get divorced, that's another thing I would tell people is, well-meaning people will come up to you, and the what probably one of the most common things that people say to someone who's going through a divorce is, "You're gonna find someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so there's someone really great for you out there," and a couple things I think go through your mind like mine. I, I was like, I didn't want anything to do with that. And initially, like I was scared of women. I think for for a little bit, Understand and so. I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm good. I got Jesus. That's all I need right now." And then I, then you come to a point where you're growing and you realize, "I do. That is all I need. All I need is Jesus." And then my prayer journal is filled with, "I don't need a wife. I don't need a wife. I just need you." And I think that's a great spot to to get to. We're we we just launched a divorce care ministry. At our church that I'm leading. And that's one of the big things I hit because when you hit this divorce time, I think the natural inclination is to think, I need someone else mm-hmm. that will ease the pain, that will fill the void. And that's a bad route to go um, in order yeah. to, to ease the pain and to, to heal. So, um, that was kind of my mindset and heart set. And, and then in 2021, in the summer of 2021, uh, I struck up a conversation with an old friend. from uh, sh- She was in the church that I grew up in in Kansas where my dad was the worship leader. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't talked for 30 years, but we were Facebook friends, like ever since Facebook was invented kind of thing. But we hadn't really interacted. I knew she had gone through a divorce several years ago. But we hadn't really talked or anything. And um, we just bumped into each other in a comment thread on Facebook and then started messaging each other regularly, talking about Jesus, talking about scripture, talking about books we we're reading. We we're both songwriters sharing songs together. And we were basically heading towards that we had this attraction, but we didn't really, we didn't act on it for like... A few months, mm-hmm. we just start, kept talking, here and there, and then finally we had uh, we we finally decided to talk on the phone um, in August of 2021, mm-hmm. and it was like a rocket. After that,
1: it <laughs> was like it was a rocket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my poor friends like Matt were like probably <laughs> they were a little concerned probably, but um, it was a very quick courtship that led to an engagement, and then we got married in February, and I am. I am so grateful mm. for Jenny. She is the most amazing partner in life that I could ever imagine. We are, bu- and I think I, I, think she feels the same way about me. I think um, So too. But it's just a beautiful place to get to, and uh, uh, definitely a picture of redemption for sure.
1: It, it, it's amazing. It really is. Your, your guys' story is amazing. But I think uh, the reason it works so well is you guys put God first. You put, yeah. you put your relationship with Jesus first. And um, I want to circle back to what you had said, because I think so many people who are going through a failed marriage or failed a relationship, not even maybe they haven't gotten to marriage, but they immediately want to fill that gap with somebody else. Sure. And that that hole, that loss cannot be filled properly by somebody else. And what you're doing is essentially you're setting the next relationship up for failure if you're expecting them to fulfill all of those right. wounds, all those hurts. And you know, the journey that you went on and, and you and I had countless conversations, how important it was for you to get to a place where you felt you were able to get through that storm. Not that it's, I mean, you're gonna have experience uh, for the rest of your life around that, and your kids are gonna experience that. Divorce is not easy. But really doing the work to allow yourself to heal so that you're not dependent on somebody trying to heal that. I I think you can be in a healthy relationship again when you do the work that you did. And and I I think a lot of people, um, they don't do that and they, they get into that next relationship too quick. And that's where a lot of, I think, issues, that's where we talk about bringing the past into the the current relationship that that causes issues. You know what Mm I mean? Absolutely. Um, you mentioned the uh, Divorce Care group. I think you should talk about that a little bit because mm-hmm. I think it's great what you and Jenny are doing and uh, have such a great ministry that's being built out of our church right now.
0: Yeah. Divorce Care is a, a nationwide program that a lot of churches do. And it's something that I got into a couple years ago and uh, went through it a couple times and at another church. I wanted to be anonymous, so I went like 30 minutes away to another church. And so I wasn't like Gary, the worship leader guy that everybody knows. And I was able to just be vulnerable and honest. And so it was it was definitely helpful in my healing. Uh, Divorce care is awesome. It's like a support group. It's not counseling. It's just a time where you can get 13 a 13-week program. You can show up and be with other divorced people that are going through the same thing that you're going through. There's definitely nuances to, to all of our stories, but the common thread is that we're all going through divorce and um, it's just really healing and refreshing to go into a room with people mm-hmm. and, and then you know, there's no judgment at all. You know, sure. we're all going through the same thing. So it's, it's a support group. It's something that I looked forward to every week when I was in my lowest because I was lonely and it was so nice to be able to to meet with those people and and talk about it. Uh, It's Bible-based. It offers guidance in a very practical way in the different things that you encounter with divorce. So after Jenny and I got married, um, yeah, we we decided to bring it to our church, the program, and we launched it this last fall.
1: And it's not for any... Um, phase of like, you can be going through a divorce. You can be divorced for years. It's, it's open to anybody that's experienced that. So it's not, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're somebody who's been divorced for a long time, it still would be Yeah. appropriate for you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We have people that are going through it right now. And then we have people that have been divorced for five to seven years and they just didn't fully heal from it and they wanted to make sure they were doing okay.
1: That's good. So a couple things. I want to talk about your podcast too, because, um, I think it's another great resource and, um, share a little bit about, uh, the podcast that, that you've been
0: doing. So I just launched the podcast cause I don't have enough things going on. <laughs> I <know. laughs> um, I launched a podcast called more than a worship leader podcast. I, I wrote a book several years ago called more than a worship leader. Mm-hmm. And that has just done really well. Shockingly. I had, you know, I'd, done no promotion. I just put it on Amazon and a bunch of people have have bought it. Mm. And that led me to writing a uh, companion piece called more than a band, which is a worship team devotional that our team is going through right now. I just launched that this last summer. And then I had this dream of just doing a podcast just because honestly, I thought it, I think it would be, it's just fun Mm -hmm. to do a podcast. It just hits all those creative juices for me. It's a side project. I can just have fun with it. And then I, I thought of all these worship leaders that I know all over the country that epitomize this idea of more than a worship leader, which is basically not the person on stage that's just a diva and a rock star, but it a legit person that loves people off stage mm-hmm. and on stage. So I'm interviewing a bunch of people like that all over the country. I'd put out one episode a month and uh, having a blast with it.
1: dude. And I think it's great. I, th- I think it's a really cool platform and, um, I'll put all these links for all the million things that you're involved in, <laughs> in in the liner notes. And if you're interested in anything Gary's doing, you can go to GaryDurbin.com uh, uh, for all mm-hmm. all of these things. Uh, Gary, is there anything else you'd like to share uh, with our audience? Uh, anything? Any last any last word? Yeah, I mean,
0: one another gift that came out of my season of um, sadness and divorce hardship was learning that these times, uh, these times of grief are seasons
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's, there's storms of life. One beautiful truth that I learned out of that God taught me is that storms and seasons are not forever. Mm-hmm. So as I was going through that, he taught me that and I was like in the storm is in that season. And I was in it going, this is going to end. I'm going to get on the other side of this. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So I was able to stand in that storm and stand in that season and look to him and say, thank you, Lord. And then the other beautiful thing that uh, I knew, but learned mm-hmm. was that God is with me. Mm-hmm. And that is all I need, literally. And, and if we can all just grasp that and believe it and have faith. We're going to fail believing that. We're going to fail grasping that at times. And we're going to look to other things and other people. But man, if we can just, for the most part, go through life and go, man, God is with me. That's all I need. Put your arms around me, Lord, as we go through this storm and go through this season. That's all I need. That And I'll get through it. I'm never alone. God is with me. The storm and the season will end. That's one of the songs I wrote was Storms and Seasons. And, um, yeah, so if, if I, yeah, if anyone's going through that at this point, it, it will come to an end, things will get better. Mm-hmm. And right now God is with you.
1: Well said. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing your story. It, it, it means the world to me to, um, be able to, um, see you on the other side of that storm, you know, mm-hmm. sitting with you through that process, you know, I, I, uh, my heart was breaking for you and your family and your kids and, um, but to see how God has redeemed that has just been, it's been a huge testimony to his goodness and appreciate you sharing. Yes. Praise the Lord. Once again,
0: I'm so thankful for my friendship with Matt and I'm thankful for Emerge and their role in my healing journey. Just because you're in ministry, it doesn't exempt you from the possibility of tragedy and grief in this broken world. There will be times of sorrow and sadness, but God is good through it all. During that storm and season of my life, being more than a worship leader meant that when I was off stage, I was faced with the challenge, more than ever, to live the lyrics I was singing on stage. I wasn't perfect. I fell short at times but through the grace of God, I kept my heart right and head straight. One scripture I meditated on during that time was Psalm 25, 21. It says, may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. And as Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell right now, just keep going. Don't give up. The race is not over. The tragedies and shortcomings don't have to define us. God is not done with you yet. Stay tuned for the next episode of the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. I'd greatly appreciate you subscribing and sharing. Thanks for listening.